Hi, and welcome to the I Believe Your Abuse podcast, where we talk all things narcissistic abuse. I'm your host, Brandy Fuller Anderson. I am a counselor, coach, survivor, and author of the book I Believe You. If this is your first time listening, know that you're going to hear me refer to the narcissist as a he. But this is just for ease of telling my personal story, which is about my now ex-husband. But know that narcissists can be both male and female. They're married and single, straight or gay. If you have any questions regarding what I mean when I talk about the narcissist, I encourage you to go back and listen to episode 1 and 2 for further clarification. No matter where you are in the recovery process, you've likely come across the term trauma bonding. Maybe it was an explanation you found for why it was so hard for you to leave a situation you knew was unhealthy. Maybe it's the excuse that explains away the difficulty that is felt when trying to go no contact, or the reason you may have gone back to your partner time and time again. Maybe you think you escaped your relationship unscathed, one of the lucky ones who never fell prey to the trauma bond. Are you sure about that? If you have ever wanted further clarification on what the trauma bond is, how it develops so strongly, how it affects you or how you know if you are really trauma bonded, or how you can escape it, heal from it, or avoid it, then stay tuned for today's show where we answer all the common questions we all have about the trauma bond. Today's show is all about the trauma bond, that pesky thing that seems to be the center of much of the pain that we feel when living with, escaping from, and getting over a relationship with a toxic individual. So what exactly is a trauma bond? Trauma bonding is essentially a survival strategy. It develops in your subconscious and you will likely be unaware of its growth until you're firmly within its grasp. Now, this doesn't mean that there aren't steps you can take to avoid it in the future, and we'll cover that in a little bit. The trauma bond is both a psychological as well as a biochemical reaction to a situation in which you're repeatedly exposed to negative, hurtful, and confusing behavior, and then sporadically introduced to very desired or pleasing behavior. It's formed by that inconsistency, that back and forth when your partner is enjoyable sometimes and flat out repugnant at other times. This abusive cycle induces a psychological reaction that causes you to attempt to reconcile the conflicting reinforcement that you're getting from your abuser. Your brain chemistry will actually change to help you better survive the cruelty that you're enduring by convincing you that it's not abuse. And this will cause you to remain loyal to this person who clearly doesn't have your best interest at heart and is likely very destructive for you. Sadly, if you grew up experiencing abuse or you have experienced emotional abuse in a prior relationship, you're likely even more susceptible to becoming trauma bonded with an abuser. This is because you've probably already been criticized and demeaned and have internalized these 
statements to be true about yourself. Therefore, when your abuser begins to tell you the same things, you'll accept them as true and the situation as familiar and maybe less likely to resist it. I think it is important to note that the trauma bond is the result that occurs because of the dynamics that happen when emotional abuse is repeating throughout a relationship. It is not, however, something that the narcissist is aware of or is controlling or making happen. Does the narc hope that you stick around despite their deplorable behaviors? Sure, but the result of you sticking around to wait for those good times, despite dealing with the bad, that's what leads to the trauma bonding. You may be wondering, how do I know if I'm really trauma bonded? When your partner treats you poorly, your body will begin to experience those acts through feeling stressed, feeling afraid, maybe even feeling physical pain. You're likely to feel sad, overwhelmed, anxious, doubtful, even guilt. When your partner then treats you kindly, the relief from those negative feelings and emotions causes you to feel almost exhilarated. The more abusive and threatening those acts of cruelty become, the more euphoric it feels when those moments that mimic humanity strike. This will cause all of the pain, doubt, stress, and worry that you were feeling to vanish as if it never existed. You may even question yourself, considering you must have been overreacting to whatever happened earlier that day, or maybe even start comforting yourself with reassuring phrases like, everything's fine now, there's nothing to worry about. Maybe you notice a sigh of relief thinking, oh good, he still loves me and things will be better now. The development of the trauma bond is insidious. You won't see it happening. One day it will just be there. It has you reaching for an unattainable fairy tale and tricks you into believing it can actually happen. Even though everything about what is happening tells you that you are not living in a fairy tale, you ignore that and keep hoping and waiting for that happy ending. Everything you feel no longer matches what you know. There is a recognizable difference between the facts you cognitively know to be true and the emotions you feel about who you're with and where the relationship is headed. Nothing matches up. You know it doesn't match up. You know there is a discrepancy between the facts and how you feel. And yet you go with the stronger of the two pools which is usually that of your emotions. When working through the dynamics of this relationship with clients, I often have them think back to the first red flag they feel like would have been the one that alerted them to the fact that they were in the midst of developing a trauma bond. What do you think your answer would be? 
overwhelmingly, I hear that important red flag was that they were keeping secrets about their partner or about their relationship from those that they could previously open up to. You may notice when you start to lie to others about what really happens. You likely lie mostly because you would be embarrassed for others to know the truth. And when you do tell your friends some details, they may be blown away with how unacceptable they find the behaviors that you describe. Even though those behaviors seem to bother you very little. If you feel embarrassed about the things that occur in your relationship, to the point that you are keeping them a secret from others who love you, then you are likely guarding a toxic relationship and forming a trauma bond. As the dynamic of this bond strengthens, you may notice you walk on eggshells in your own home and always with your partner. You feel like it's your responsibility to fix the narc or to make things more comfortable for the narc. You constantly wonder what you could be doing differently to just avoid those outbursts of hurtful behavior. You might even look for ways to feel sorry for your narcissistic mate because that just feels better than being angry at him all the time. You look for justifications for his behavior that would make staying make more sense, even though there is no justification. And there is no healthy way to remain in a relationship with a toxic partner. You may or may not notice that your boundaries are not being respected. You notice that you have fights that nobody ever wins. You may even leave those arguments more confused than when you started them. Your partner may say mean things to you like he never loved you, could never be attracted to someone like you, and simply can't stand you. Things that you know in your heart and mind that you would never consider okay for someone to say to their significant other. And something you know would cause you to never want to be with a person who would talk to you in this way. And yet, for some reason, you stay and look for ways to justify it in some other way, telling yourself he doesn't mean it. He's just hurt. He's immature. I made him angry. He really seems to be sorry. Despite all of that, you can see that he never follows through with the things he promises and yet you stick around and continue to believe that he will one day do so. And there will come this one point where you realize that your feelings and the facts don't match up. Where you realize that the facts say he is very unlikely to follow through with any promise he makes because he has never done so in the past. And yet your feelings keep saying things will get better or he will change. I've often heard from people that they don't even like their partner. You may not even like your partner and you probably cannot trust him or count on him. 
and yet you seem unable to break free from the relationship. Basically, if you feel unhappy in your relationship but cannot imagine ever leaving it, then you are experiencing the crippling effects of the trauma bond. And the thing is, the longer you stay, the stronger the bond becomes. Each and every time you start to act in behalf of your brain, rather than your emotions, your NART can feel it and will work to keep you deep in the denial that has become your norm. This is when the narc will fool you with their imaginary plans of the future, or promises to make your dreams come true, or apologies for past indiscretions. This isn't your narc's first rodeo, and he may be able to effortlessly pull you right back in. If you have stayed despite consciously and cognitively knowing that you should not, or if you are aware that you repeatedly complain about your partner's behaviors, knowing they were unacceptable to you, but those behaviors were not changed, and you stayed anyway, then you were or are battling that trauma bond. So why is this? Why is it so strong? The abuse cycle consists of periods of time in which your narc partner treats you very badly, followed by fleeting moments where you're offered a reward, which may include a kind word, a promise of a better day, sexual pleasure, or sweet gesture. Because the cycle repeats itself and you're taught that if you stick around long enough, there will always be a reward in your future. It conditions your brain to stay in that cycle, looking forward to the next reward. Your brain chemistry is actually changing in response to this back and forth, causing you to yearn for the glimpses of a reward. A moment of calm with your partner may be enough to make you feel loved and may feel like the only way to get relief from the cravings for the reward that you feel. You fooled yourself into believing these momentary acts of sweetness are indicative of love. But are they? Does love come only in certain moments? Because the truth is, love alone is much easier to let go of. Just like any other dangerous, deadly drug, the more toxic it is, the harder it grips you, and the harder it is to break free from. And you are addicted to this cycle of abuse as if it was a dangerous, deadly drug. Small bits of kindness will feel so good since they follow periods of pure hell. And you get so used to experiencing these rare, so good moments that you trick yourself into believing you have never felt this good before and will never feel this good again. And because we often forget the bad times and hang on to just those so-called good moments, you feel absolutely amazing with this one person and can't bring yourself to disconnect. When in actuality, 
This person has fooled you into believing you were receiving something fantastic simply by spending most of the time making you unbelievably miserable in comparison. As you desperately cling to the little self-esteem that you have left, you can't help but wonder, what is wrong with you that causes this abuse? Once you start accepting that this person is not what you once thought, and is seriously toxic and screwed up? You may even throw further punches at yourself with thoughts like, this person is so fucked up. So if he doesn't want me, I must not be worthy of anyone or something must really be wrong with me. These continuous dings to your self-worth will only make it harder and harder to choose to leave this situation. Each time you question your own part in the abuse, each time you're made to feel guilty so that you accept responsibility, each time you fail at trying to fix the situation, each time you convince yourself the problem is you, each time you absorb the insults about your own worthiness, each time you convince yourself that you don't deserve any better, it makes it all that much harder to break free from this toxic cycle. And just being in the cycle of abuse won't always be enough to keep you hanging on. You're still trying to reconcile the facts that you're seeing with the feelings that you're having. Because of the cognitive dissonance you feel when the Prince Charming ideal you have of your maid is met with the harsh reality of his behavior toward you, you're going to struggle to come up with reasons that make sense to you when convincing yourself to stick around and tolerate such behavior. It doesn't sound like something you would normally do. It just doesn't make sense to you. After so much time spent trying to reason with your mate, trying to help him, offering advice to him and lecturing him, you may have a fear that He'll go off and find a new partner. Finally implement all of the tools that you have given him. And this new partner will get to experience the, the mate that you worked so hard to fix. And this is your justification to yourself. That you worked so hard. And if you let him go, someone else will reap the rewards. And this is definitely your feelings, not listening to the facts. You may think this, even though everything about the evidence tells you that your partner will not change. And that lingering doubt will eat at you, keeping you from letting go of the dream you have for your future together. You may feel like you need to find irrefutable proof that your partner is really the problem and not you. Since you've likely spent much time accepting blame when it wasn't due to you and taking on responsibility for actions that were not within your control. This is something you're just conditioned to do. Since you are privy to so much of the abuse that outsiders are not, you may still be wondering if it, it's just you. Something about you 
or something you are doing to cause this abuse. And these are just more of the ways in which you've been conditioned to accept responsibility that does not rightfully belong to you. The effects of weeks, months, or years of gaslighting have caused you to doubt most of your reality. So you may be questioning whether or not the problems that you believe exist are all in your head. Even after leaving the situation, you may start checking out his social media, driving by his house, calling his mother, trying to remain in social circles that connect you, anything to get a glimpse of proof that you are not the crazy one. It takes precedence over any other thought that would normally come to your mind. It takes over. All of the self-doubt, all of the subliminal insults, all of the mental and emotional ups and downs leaves you filled with an emptiness, a void that occasionally fills with anxiety and depression, but for the most part, has deleted everything you recognize about yourself. More than likely, you've walked on eggshells for some time, spending each of your waking moments obsessed about your mate, what he was doing, what his moods were, how you can please him, how you can avoid setting him off, maybe researching his symptoms and trying to put those puzzle pieces together, covering for him at work, lying to your friends and family and maybe his, this project has taken over your life and your thoughts until who you are ceased to exist on its own. Your very identity has been hijacked by the games, the emotions, the research, the abuse, so that when you try to separate yourself from it, you feel that loss of purpose, that loss of identity, the loss of everything that now makes sense to you, it's scary. It's so scary to be lost in the nothingness that now exists in your psyche, that used to be filled with the wonder of how you saw the world and where you want it to be. And the only relief you can see is to go back to that familiar feeling, that familiar situation, which is why you feel that pull so strongly. It's why you can barely breathe when you first part from your narc partner. Why you feel lost and scared and start cataloging all of the flaws you imagine to be attributed to yourself. Why you feel that loss of purpose. It's a distortion of reality. And it can be fixed. Let's talk about how else it affects you. You aren't weak-minded. You aren't necessarily a codependent personality. You aren't a fool because you didn't recognize behaviors that no normal person would recognize. Everything about this cycle of abuse is designed to convince you that what you think you know, you don't. That what you feel 
isn't what you should be feeling. That what you saw, you mistook. That what you knew to be true before all of this was a lie you told yourself. That all respectful characteristics you loved about yourself didn't exist. And that everything about your partner that makes you uneasy is all in your head or is all your fault. It is designed to distort your reality in a way that diminishes your self-esteem, confuses you about what you know, what you see, what you want, or who you are. And because of this, you have many reasons you question it and fear walking away from it. Often from where you stand in the relationship, it can appear as though you're the only one being abused. After all, it feels like you see the sides that no one else sees and are targeted with abuse, while the rest of the world gets to see the charming partner that you yearn for. At least that's how it feels. And because of that, you start to assume perhaps the abuse is all in your head. Or perhaps it is you who is causing the abuse since nobody else seems to set your partner off the way that you do. You start to reflect back on everything that you've done, everything your partner has done to look for some cause and effect clues. You start to question everything about how you might have overreacted or misunderstood. You start to feel like a failure because you've been unable to fix the situation or be supportive enough of your partner, or stop causing the abuse. Rather than focusing on how your partner is behaving and how unacceptable it is, you now are solely focused on how you need to change to improve what is happening, on what is wrong with you, and on how you can do better. The needs of your partner become paramount and you don't even see yourself and all of your ideals slipping away as your new purpose becomes only that of reflecting on your flaws and pitying your partner. Your purpose then becomes your obligation. Since you take responsibility for everything, your partner's issues are just one more. But you need it to make sense, so you search for justifications. You tell yourself, he needs me. God must have put him in my path for a reason. If I don't help him, who will? I'm the only one who understands. He needs patience and understanding. You may even help hide his behaviors from others, thinking they wouldn't possibly understand and he just needs to be understood. If you don't have that hope of a fantasy future to hang on to, you would spiral out of control with how little your situation makes sense to you. Why are you there? Why is he the way he is? And how is it that you're too weak to walk away? None of that makes sense, unless you can justify it in some other way to just feel like your sanity is still somewhat intact. If you don't convince yourself that he has a good side and there is a path to get to that side, if you just keep trying, then none of it will make sense.
And do you want to know what the kicker is? It doesn't make sense. There is no other side to your partner. His good side isn't trapped in a box and in need of rescuing. It isn't hiding and fearful in need of the right amount of love and patience to coax it out. That genuinely nice side doesn't exist. That fantasy future will never come. You have met your narc partner. This is it. This is the cycle they live in with every person, in every situation. And this is how it plays out in a romantic relationship. It will never change, no matter what you do, no matter what partner is present, no matter what. This is the person that you're choosing to be with and the situation you are choosing to be a part of. And by the time you realize it, your identity will be missing. You will find it hard to imagine how you could possibly live without purpose. And the only purpose you remember is that of pleasing your narc partner. You've been trained to serve your narc partner, to accept all the guilt, responsibility, and burden of life with your narc partner. And being without those things will leave you feeling so empty. It won't be easy. But it's not impossible to break free. So how are you going to break free from it? Hope is a powerful thing. It can overpower all that you are programmed to fight for with regards to your own health and well-being. The hope you feel that this situation will one day be better than it is now will trap you on this merry-go-round relationship. The one that will only keep spinning in the same direction, passing all the same points, until you jump off. The scenery will not change until you jump off. That fantasy future, simply not coming. On some level, you know this. Sometimes you have to stop and take a real hard look at the situation as it actually exists. What facts do you have? Write them down. What do those facts tell you? What about those facts would lead you to believe that your hope is justified? That things are and will get better? You have to separate the trickery that makes you feel the way you do and your cognitive ability to reason through the facts of your situation. Break free from the false hope that keeps you hanging on. That hope that this will one day be a good relationship, despite all of the evidence to the contrary, that is a false hope. Learning to listen to your brain rather than your emotions, it's, it's not easy. It takes practice and you may not be successful on your first try. That's okay, try again. Many survivors went back to their abusers multiple times before finally breaking free for good. 
Take the steps you need to take and don't give up. The sooner you can make this happen, the better. Because the trauma bond gets stronger and stronger as time goes on. And it is likely that the abuse will also increase in severity. So not only will it be harder for you to break free if you wait, but you're putting yourself in further danger as well. Don't talk yourself into excuses to stay. Remind yourself to use your cognitive mind. Remind yourself of the facts as they are right now and keep reminding yourself why you need to leave. Know that the emotions will be strong and will be convincing, but that they are to be expected so you're ready for them. You know it will feel hard, lonely, draining, scary, but that those emotions are the result of repeated trickery to your psyche. Practice listening to your cognitive mind and be prepared to push through the hard part, knowing that it's supposed to feel that way, it's supposed to be hard, that you are breaking an addiction, but that you're making the right decision to get away from it. And know that when I'm talking about this addiction, it's not your partner that you're addicted to. And I know that sounds unlikely. And it's certainly not the way it feels. But you are not addicted to your partner. Many of you can truthfully say you don't even like your partner. What you're addicted to is the cycle of abuse. And that is the familiarity you're craving when you have that urge to return. This often makes no sense to you, leading to even more cognitive dissonance. So you need to place reason in its place. You may have to remind yourself of the bad times. If you have written them down, go back and reread them. Abuse victims have the tendency to forget the bad moments and only remember the good. It happens naturally as you attempt to regulate your emotions and deal with the trauma that you've been through. Writing your experiences down and frequently reminding yourself of them is important. You must face that what is happening is abuse. It is as bad as it sounds when you read it out loud. It is bad. It isn't love. And it isn't your fault. What you read in that journal that you're writing, it isn't love. A partner cannot love you sometimes. That isn't love. If your partner shows you how unloved you are at any time, it isn't love. It's toxic. It's dangerous. Keeping the facts separated from your overwhelming feelings will not be easy, but focus on your journaling. Reach out for support groups, other survivors, or a professional that has experience with narcissistic abuse. And most importantly, most importantly, when humanly possible, go no contact. No contact involves blocking absolutely all avenues in which your partner's name, face, voice, or belongings can find their way back into your life. 
block phone numbers and don't answer calls from numbers you don't know. Change your number if at all possible. Block all social media and resist the urge to check up on your partner and what he might be doing. If you have the ability to move, move. Block from your life all connections that might be shared with your abuser, shared friends, or family members. They will only keep you connected to the narc and will be used as an excuse to talk about, think about, or see pictures of your ex-partner. Don't put yourself in a situation that makes you have to choose to be strong against an experience that you've set up to work against you. Find a support system. Anyone who can understand your experience, this is important. Find a support group. Find a professional coach or therapist who's experienced in narcissistic abuse. And you can check out our website, IBelieveYourAbuse.com, and try to locate a meeting or support group in your local area. You can reach out for supports that can help you keep your feelings and your facts straight. Try to avoid supports who simply don't seem to be able to understand your experience or your stories. Avoid those who try to listen but constantly question or wonder why you didn't leave or why you can't get over it. Or the ones that shrug it off without knowing how to hear it or respond to it. Avoid it. At all costs. Each time someone fails to validate this experience for you, it will feel like abuse. And it doesn't mean those people have to be cut off. Some people just don't understand the experience. If there's still positive supports for you, enjoy time away from the situation with them. Do things with them that don't involve discussing the situation, maybe as a distraction. Use them for the moments that you're escaping those memories. And find other supports for the times you need to relieve your mind and emotions of the changes taking place. Because they're huge. And you will not be able to avoid them or pretend that they're not happening. Your rational, cognitive mind is not trauma-bonded to your narc. So the more practice listening to your cognitive, rational mind, rather than your more emotional mind, the more successful you'll be able to stick to those decisions to get out. Recognizing the difference between the two is absolutely crucial. As you learn to follow the cognitive side of your brain, it doesn't stop your emotional side from freaking out. It doesn't stop those panicked concerns about disconnecting from the situation or that complete desperation to return to the abusive situation. That desperation is powerful. And if you don't recognize it as the emotional side of this decision-making, you'll be less likely to reason with yourself and to follow the more rational side of your thinking. Go back to what you've written down. What are the facts? What reason do you have to believe your assessment is not accurate? What reason do you have to believe that things will change? You will gradually get past this. Just keep reminding yourself that you expect this emotional overreaction and that you're gonna to listen to the cognitive mind, the more rational decision maker. Feelings fade, but the facts are the facts.
So how do you go about healing from it? Maybe you break free. It isn't easy, but you know that you're waiting for the feelings to fade while listening to your more rational side. So as you wait for the distress to pass, how will you heal from this trauma bond that you so bravely escaped? It's important to remind yourself that you were not responsible for the trauma bond. There was no way for you to know if it was gonna happen and no way for you to know how to prevent it, recognize it or escape it until now. The abusive cycle you were in was designed to convince you that the trauma you experienced was love. You wholeheartedly believed that the trauma was love and you have to unlearn that Include in your writings everything about your partner that you cannot stand, that you find intolerable, things that hurt your feelings or overwhelmingly showed you just how much they really didn't care, that showed you the lack of love and support you ever got from your partner. Write them down and read them again each time you need to remind yourself that your partner does not love you and you very likely do not love them. It is the trauma bond fooling you into thinking what you experience is love. The addiction that was created tricks you into believing that addiction is love, none of which is true. Do you think recovering drug addicts love their heroin? It is not the drug that they are addicted to. It is the euphoria that comes with using and the ease with which they can fool themselves into believing the situation is making them happy. Your relationship with the narc is no different. You just have to use your rational mind, be honest with yourself, and make a conscious effort to separate fact from feeling. Catch yourself each and every time you make a justification and remind yourself that it's the trauma bond talking and that you're gonna to listen to your rational mind and not your more emotional side. Contrary to what you might have told yourself, you're not lucky to be with your narc partner. The flaws that you think your partner is overlooking were probably purposefully planted in your mind and do not even exist. You were manipulated into the habit of self-berating self-hating, self-condemning, and self-abusing. You do deserve better, and you can find better. You just need to break free from the trauma bond. You will need to reclaim yourself from these falsities that were planted, and will need to rebuild how you see yourself. Go easy on yourself and forgive yourself for any relapses that happen you'll likely have setbacks in the beginning, just like in any addiction. But if you continue to self-talk your way into listening to your cognitive, more rational mind, rather than your emotional one, you will beat it. This bond took some time to develop, and it will take some time to break. Your break from the trauma bond 
will feel like just as much of a roller coaster ride as your relationship did. There will be moments of strength and clarity, and then complete weakness and misjudgments, and the anguish you feel over the loss of what was feeding your addiction. That anguish will cause you to look back on any memories you can spin into a positive light. They will overwhelmingly induce those trained thoughts of self-loathing, blame, and doubt. It may once again feel like the only way to escape these feelings of anguish is to go back to that cycle of abuse. At times, those urges will feel uncontrollable. But then you will remind yourself to listen to the facts and not the feelings. To listen to your rational and cognitive mind and not your emotional mind. You will remind yourself that it's the trauma bond talking and that you expected these emotions to happen. And you'll get back on track. It is not the presence of your narc partner that you miss. Going back will only increase the trauma bond and start the healing process over from the beginning. When an addict is recovering from a dangerous drug addiction, the reason they often relapse is because they come in contact with some type of trigger. For example, they revisit a neighborhood where they used to pick up drugs, or they see a person that reminds them of someone they used to get together with and use. And this trigger causes them to relive those emotions that they were feeling in the first place, the ones that led them to using. It makes them feel as though those emotions are happening again at this moment. And to escape them, they want to resort to using again. Your addiction to the abuse that you've been exposed to is no different. You can be triggered at any time, and the chemical reaction that happens during that trigger will have you reliving all of those painful emotions as if they were happening right now, causing you to believe that right now you're missing your narc partner. Somewhere deep down, you know that reconnecting with your ex-narc will only feel good for a brief moment. Because you know the abuse will then continue, especially if you've done this before. But that one brief moment is what you're actually craving, what you're actually addicted to. You tell yourself, if I use again, just this once, it will numb these feelings that I'm experiencing. It will feel good again for a moment. And I want nothing more than to not feel all of these other terrible things right now. Plus, you may even convince yourself, I'm stronger this time, so it will be just this once, and I will be strong enough to walk away again right after. Right? This is the false narrative we use to justify it to ourselves. Because even at that moment of weakness, it makes us feel less than. We know we deserve better, but we can't find the strength to leave and we can't figure out why. So we assume it means we're weak. Most of us don't understand the trauma bond. 
One more effect of this cycle that contributes to your diminished self-esteem. This is not just a moment of weakness where you want one more taste of that drug that is so great. That drug isn't so great. And it isn't what you're craving. Because once again, it isn't your partner that you're craving. Instead, each time you relapse, there was likely a trigger that caused a reaction in your body that took you back to a feeling. But did so as if you were feeling it again right now in that moment. And going back to what was familiar is what made you feel better. As you remind yourself that it's an emotional trick and to listen to your cognitive, rational mind instead, that urge, it'll lessen. Each and every time you resist it, it will lessen. Maybe you notice your racing heart, sweaty palms, unsteady legs. Maybe you once again feel those implanted emotions of self-hatred, dread, guilt, or sadness. You want it to stop because it all feels like too much. And you immediately think back to the last coping skill you remember having to these emotions. And it was to use or in your case, it was to return to your partner, to make contact with that addictive drug one more time. But there's no such thing as just this one time, just as there's no such thing as one text message or a casual friendship or one last night of sex with a narcissist. Every time the addict uses and every encounter you have with a narcissistic partner furthers the cycle of abuse, trauma, and confusion that the brain is already trying to sort out. It starts your sobriety over again at day one, and it erases every day that you held strong and every step you took to break free and move forward. It starts them all over. And it increases the danger that you're in because every use can be the one that kills you. And every time you return to a narcissistic partner, they respect you less, they despise you more, and they are more likely to increase their despicable behaviors towards you. It is not your partner that you miss. It is not even that those imagined good times were so great or that they can't be replicated with a new partner at a new time. You are healing from an experience in which you've been broken down, brainwashed, and have developed faulty chemical reaction patterns that have confused you and dictated your reactions to the world around you. There will be triggers. You may go back. You may go back again and again. You may go back long after you know it's not where you want to be. But one day, one day, when you are truly ready to recover and seek out the life that you deserve, you will cut off contact, all contact. Become your own strongest advocate, your own best friend, 
your best support system. Regain your sense of who you are by reminding yourself of all the things you loved about life before starting the relationship that you had with your ex-narc or your current narc. Listen to the self-talk that you've acquired and work to change it so that it's positive rather than self-defeating. And continue to read your journal and remind yourself to separate all the facts from the things that you're feeling. And don't be afraid to move forward in the future. You can prevent being caught up in a trauma bond again in the future. You are on the right track by simply learning all you can about narcissistic abuse and the abuse cycle. You're learning to be vigilant of the red flags with any new relationship. And you're learning to trust your gut when things feel off. From now on, you'll notice discrepancies when it comes to what your new love interest says and what he does. If he doesn't follow through with actions, you'll notice and it'll be a red flag. You'll practice consciously slowing down in new relationships so that you can make sure what you see is actually what you get. And you will know that real love is not conditional based upon whether you're pleasing your partner or going against them. Real love feels like love all of the time. If you ever wish you had more support between episodes, you can always follow us on Facebook or Instagram at I Believe Your Abuse. You can join our private discussion group on Facebook for group support and advice. You can also find support, including resources for meetings, support groups, and professionals who specialize in narcissistic abuse by just visiting IBelieveYourAbuse.com. And you'll find resources all over the world under the Resources tab. And if you don't find a group near you, start one. The support you receive from others is crucial in the healing process. On the site, you'll also find a link to our shop. Did you know that I Believe Your Abuse raises funds nationwide and all over the world to assist victims in relocation, healing, and education services? And also to raise awareness not only for narcissistic abuse, but to help raise awareness in the criminal justice system with regards to emotional abuse. I volunteer to host this show, but there's so much more going on behind the scenes by other survivors and professionals who want to see a change in the system, who want to see more awareness in society, who want to see more victims find the strength and assistance they need to break free from an often debilitating situation. Just a great project. And you can support this cause by purchasing from the shop, so please go check it out. You guys can also send in comments, requests for a specific topic to be addressed on the podcast, or share a survivor story by sending an email to ibelieveyourabuse at gmail.com. Be sure to follow the podcast to have episodes automatically added for you to listen to as they come out, and so that you're sure you never miss a bonus episode. Until next time, own your truth. Never stop telling your story. 
I believe you.